This episode of Pod Cemetery is brought to you by Camp Blood. Camp Blood, it's got a death curse. Welcome to Pod Cemetery. My name is Chris. My name is Kelsey. And we dissect horror movies like the rotting bags of zombified flesh that they are. This episode is a double feature. The late night double feature show. We're talking about Friday the 13th from 1980 and just shy of 30 years later 2009 kelsey before we go there oh let's talk about happy death day oh yes we saw happy death day we did so we're gonna start a new segment where we talk about any new horror movies that we just happen to see just for funsies yeah we might we might include it on a full-fledged episode (laughs) but we'll talk for like five ten minutes or so about happy death day which we saw on Saturday. Saturday the 14th. We actually, so I know this episode isn't going to get up on Friday the 13th. Nope. (laughs) But it's a Friday the 13th in October. Like, we couldn't pass up the opportunity to actually talk about Friday the 13th. So that's when we watched this movie. And then the next day on Saturday, we saw Happy Death Day. Yes. Which is about a woman, young woman in college who gets murdered and she wakes up. And it's the same day over again. It's basically Groundhog Groundhog's Day. Gra- is it Groundhog's Day? Or Ground- is it Groundhog Day? Oh shit! <laughs> it's basically Groundhog's Day, but with murder. So he keeps waking up because he needs to fall in love. She keeps waking up because she needs to figure out who the hell killed her. But at the same time, find love and happiness. It's Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day. Yeah. So so real quick, spoiler free assessment. Of Happy Death Day. Liked it a lot. It was a little too long. Some right. of the stuff was a little cheesy. There's a lot, a lot of, of cheesy moments. Watch. There's a lot of cheesy moments. Unfortunately, a lot of the really cool moments that you hope she gets to keep, I mean, they reset because the movie resets all throughout its running she time. She gets to remember them, but no one else Right, does. yeah, which is kind of a bummer. Also... Same thing in Groundhog Day. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he gets to live like his kind of perfect day at the end and she i feel like it should be groundhog's day it sounds really weird to say it's the day we look at the groundhog it's the groundhog day (laughs) all right so would you recommend to go see it i would probably recommend waiting till it came out i probably wouldn't have seen it in theaters if i had known how long it was gonna be and it is it's very very silly i liked it a lot but it's very very silly right it did some really cool stuff it was interesting throughout. There were twists and turns, and it was pretty good. Now, on Rotten Tomatoes, what do you think it got? Why do you always happen to look at my screen right when I'm going to Rotten Tomatoes? I would guess 75. 65. Underrated? I'd say so. Underrated. So, if it's out on Video On Demand or on Netflix or whatever, you know what? You like horror movies? Take a chance on this one. Go and see it. Just, I wouldn't. I wouldn't buy a movie ticket necessarily to see it. No, I wouldn't either. So that was Happy Death Day. We're going to move on to Friday Friday the the 13th 13th. from 1980. Kelsey, quick synopsis before we see the movie. What is Friday the 13th about? 
It's about Camp Crystal Lake for summer camp, and it starts out in 1956. We see two teenage camp counselors get murdered, and then cut to 1980, and they're reopening it, and all the new counselors are there. And, and people start dying people again. People start dying again. All right. So we're going to watch it. If I mean, really, you should know all of this already. So as always, spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. So if you've seen the movie Scream, then you already know the spoiler. <laughs> well, hopefully it clear. stood out as a really uh, important line. All right. So if you haven't seen Friday the 13th or if you just want to watch it again, go ahead and watch it now. And when we come back, we will discuss 1980s Friday the 13th. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Friday the 13th. You may only see it once, but that will be enough. Friday the 13th. Rated R. Now playing at Man Westwood, Man's Hollywood, and a theater near you. All right, Kelsey, now let's get into it for real. Let's talk about Scream a little bit first. (laughs) (laughs) Scream has one of the iconic Friday the 13th lines where Drew Barrymore, where she's on the phone with the killer and the killer asks her what her favorite scary movie is. You like scary movies? Uh Uh-huh. What's your favorite scary movie? Uh, I don't know. You have to have a favorite. What comes to mind? Um, Halloween. You know, the one with the guy in the white mask who walks around and stalks babysitters? Yeah. What's yours? Guess. Um, Nightmare on Elm Street. Is that the one where the guy had knives for fingers? Yeah, Freddy Krueger. Freddy, that's right. I like that movie. It was scary. Well, well, the first one was, but the rest sucked. And I think she answers Friday the 13th to that. Um, or she mentioned something else that's not important that she's no yeah it's a quiz and if she gets it right then they'll save her boyfriend yeah and he asks her uh who was the killer in friday the 13th and she's like jason jason it was jason and he's like no that's wrong and she's like what i saw that movie a thousand times and he says well if you've seen it a thousand times you'd know that it's mrs Voorhees who's the killer name the killer in friday the 13th (laughs) jason Jason! Jason! I'm sorry. That's the wrong answer. No, it's not! No, it's not! It was Jason! Afraid not? No way. Listen, it was Jason! I saw that movie 20 goddamn times! Then you should know Jason's mother, Mrs. Voorhees, was the original killer. Jason didn't show up until the sequel. I'm afraid that was a wrong answer. Spoilers! Mrs. Voorhees is the killer. I had never seen Friday the 13th when Scream came out. And it was totally spoiled for me by screen, <laughs> which is kind of a bummer. Uh, I No, I feel like it was kind of part of the cultural zeitgeist at that point, that everyone kind of knew that. But uh, I didn't really watch the Friday the 13th movies in earnest until you and I started watching them and we watched all of them. I think I had seen the first one a couple of times on TV, but no, I had never seen the series or anything, except for my friend Brianna for her uh, 16th birthday, I want to say, but maybe it was her 17th. Sorry, Brianna, if you're ever listening to this. For one of her birthdays, and she loves horror movies, we went and saw Freddy vs. Jason. So I'd seen the original and I had seen Freddy vs. Jason. Wow. Yeah. Wow, what bookends. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So the 
first scene in the movie takes place on June 13th, 1958. And June 13th, the same day, they're going to reopen the cabin, 1980. So 22 years later, they are both... Oh, sorry. Only one of the days was a Friday, actually. Just the one in 1980 like so it's kind of just a coincidence that it happens on friday the 13th and then friday the 13th part three takes place on saturday the 14th so it's kind of all over the place uh friday the 13th doesn't have a lot to do with it except for the fact that it's supposed to be bad luck yeah it's it's a teaser to get you in to see the movie but it has nothing to do with the premise but i mean there's plenty of movies like that last house on the left there's there's no implication yeah. that it's cares? the last house yeah. on the left uh-huh. like ever they, they don't even mention it in the yeah. movie do no. they yeah yeah so which by the way listeners we're not going to do that because like we've said many times at this point we don't like torture porn so yeah no last house on the left um is Definitely torture porn. So we're, eh, it's a I don't no go. I don't feel the need to ever see that movie again. No, uh, it was it was another one of those Home Alone for the horror set kind of movies where they set all these traps, but then it also had like rape and stuff. So yeah, that's fun. All right, so murders come back and all the campers are there. Like the plot is really really light. It's just them hanging out. And then there are a bunch of murders. Right. If you're wondering why there's no kids, it's because they've got they're there two weeks early to get everything set up. Right. So there's no children to be concerned about. It's just the teenage counselors. And for some reason that I don't remember, the boss has to go into town or something. So it's just the counselors. For yeah, a while. he does end up getting killed. But the the modern day kills start off with the cook who is hitchhiking her way. She only gets a ride part of the way, and then she gets picked up by a jeep. Which I think is actually really important to note. This movie only exists because of Halloween. Let's let's make that clear. Sure. The author of the script, the scriptwriter, whoever the hell that is. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoever the hell that is? Whoever it is. is it, I famous? think, no, I just think it's important that we acknowledge who made the film. Okay, well, you look that up. While you're looking that up, he is famously quoted as saying... I wanted to make money, and oh, he Halloween was totally ripping made off a ton Halloween. of money, Absolutely. and I, I just ripped it off. Victor Miller. And Sean S. Cunningham also worked on it. He was the director. And we talked a lot about the fact that Halloween is notorious for killing off girls who have had sex. But this movie is different. She... That's her, specifically that's her, targets them. Well, no, that's her reason. That's what she keeps saying. Like, uh-huh. they were making love while my son was drowning. But she kills off a lot well, it, of people who are fuels, not having sex. It fuels her anger, but partially that's part of her anger. And the other part is she needs to kill everyone because the camp can't reopen. Right. You know, so like it's it's her objective to prevent the camp from reopening. But I think it's an important thing to say that this movie did not. Oh, it helped. No, it helped solidify the, the sexuality trope because she says explicitly they were fucking. They were making love while that young boy drunk. And she didn't say fucking. <laughs> but. But she does kill a lot of people that yeah. do not have sex during this movie. Mm-hmm. The cook is the very first woman that she kills and she is like the sweet virgin woman who wants nothing in life but to cook for kids which was a weird thing to say. Right, but <laughs> I, I don't think, like that's something you have to read in the subtext. What is explicitly in the text is that she was angry because her son died because they were having sex and then the first murders you see in the movie are the people who are going off to 
to have sex. Like in the text, do not have sex because it will lead to the death of an innocent child and you will be murdered for it. Like that's explicit in the movie. I would also like to mention since we are talking about Jason as the child version of Jason, he uh, has a fucked up eye. He's like, I don't know. They they kind of explain that he's semi-retarded, but that's like very weakly ever explained. But he was dis- deformed. Yeah. And it is his eye, which is funny again, because he ripped off from Halloween. And in Halloween, the one shot that we get to see of his face, he's got a fucked up eye because yeah. Lori stabs him in the eye with her hanger. Right. So just more rip off. So this movie is a lot like the tropes of what Cabin in the Woods, if you've ever seen Cabin in the Woods. Highly uh, recommended. Makes We're going to do that later. But it makes fun of a lot of tropes. And this movie has a lot of them. It is literally cabins in the woods that they are going to stay in, yeah. etc. And on their way up, they get stopped by this town crazy guy. Pretty camp blood, ain't you? God damn it, Ralph. Get out of here. Go on, get Leave people alone. You'll never come back again. Oh, shut up, Ralph. It's got a death curse. That tells them multiple times that they are doomed if they go there. And he actually says, doomed. You're doomed. Yes. Messenger of God. You're doomed if you stay here. Go. Go. And I just thought that was interesting because so many so many of the tropes include at least one person warning you and you ignoring the warning. And that is exactly what happens in this movie. Right. But I mean, would you listen to this guy? No. He's the town crazy and they refer to him as such. There's a lot. I don't know if you noticed this, Chris. There's a lot of foreshadowing in this movie. There's a lot of foreshadowing of people's deaths. How so? So uh, when the dude shoots the arrow at the girl who ends up getting shot by a bunch of arrows on the archery range. That yeah. is one of them. Another one is and this is the part that as I was watching, I was literally like, is this an extended version? Because there are conversations in this movie and I've seen this movie several times. There are conversations in this movie that I had no recollection of. There is one conversation where the girl has with Kevin Bacon. Yes, Kevin Bacon is in this movie. Yeah. And she explains, I hate storms. Ever since I was a little kid, I have had nightmares about storms and how I couldn't get away from them. And that's how, that's why Wow, you she... saying that right now, I don't even remember it. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why, she, that's why she gets stuck in the cabin that's in the middle of nowhere. It's not a part of like the big cabin or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. They're, they're separated from the group and that's how she gets killed. Speaking of more foreshadowing, this is kind of lame foreshadowing. I was going to save this for the lightning round because it's pretty quick. But uh, Kevin Bacon's Jack character tells the cop that he doesn't smoke and he's smoking on the bed when he's killed. So there you go, more vice, you know, leading to you dying. So there are a lot of shots in this movie that seem like they should be from the killer's perspective. Yes, uh, including the, the early shots when she picks up the cook in her Jeep. Yes, mm-hmm. and there are times when it makes perfect sense. And it's pretty great, guys, because, like we said, she's this old woman 
who just seems like this nice lady. Like, it's so great. Well, and you don't see her until the very end. No, I know. But right my before point, it's revealed. But my point is, is that uh, the teens are not ever afraid of her. Every time they see her, they're just like, hey, yeah. oh, what's Oh, it's up? you. Yeah, yeah the like, first murder. Why are you here? She gets picked up. Um, she picks up the cook. She's fine. She runs into the owner, and he's like, what are you doing out here? Oh, hi. What are you doing out in this mess? Like, it's never anything uh, creepy until the moment that they get attacked. But so my point is, is that there are a lot of scenes where it makes perfect sense that we get to see it from her perspective. There are times when I was totally confused. Was the movie trying to tell me that she was standing there? Because if she was standing there... How the fuck did nobody see her? There are times when, like... In that the, blue sweater. <laughs> when the camera, like, is kind of like, oh, I'm getting behind a tree now, and oh, I'm f- turning around the tree to look at the kids. But if there was a person in that area, there is no way those kids would not have seen someone staring at them. So it was very... I, I didn't get it. I was like, are they telling me that she's there? Because if they are, it doesn't make any sense. And That's... if they are not... Why bother? Right, that's that's kind of simple suspension of disbelief, though. It's like they you wanted to get that voyeur feeling, which the movie uses a lot, mimicking the first scene of Halloween. And, you know, it tells you, oh, they didn't see her. And you just got to go, oh, I guess they didn't see her. Also, Mrs. Voorhees, so we've touched on the fact that she kills indiscriminately, even though, as Chris has said, yes, she does want to kill because her son died and because they were making love, as she puts it. They were making love while that young boy drowned. But there are many things to say about this woman. She is creepy as fuck. Even, like, at the end when the the final girl is like, oh, hello. Like, she's not worried for some reason, even though a bunch of her friends are dead now. The woman just listening to Mrs. Voorhees talk, she does such a good job. She's so, super creepy. Let's talk about Betsy Palmer, shall we? Okay. She was a method actress. She was also a very respected stage and screen actress. And it was very bizarre that she would be in this movie. But because she's a method actress, she gave Mrs. Voorhees a very detailed story. And even Betsy Palmer said that her character hated sexual transgression. (laughs) As she put it, she, uh, Jason was a bastard. Oh. Yes. And so she was not married to the father, and it was her high school boyfriend. Oh. And her parents disowned her because they considered it to be a a sin and that it wasn't something that good girls do. And that kind of reinforced the whole, you know, sex out of wedlock is, is a sin. And that sin led to the death of her son. And she had all of her identity wrapped up in her son because... It's all she had. She didn't have her family. She didn't have the boyfriend. All she had was her son from such a young age. So that's kind of what drove her over the edge to hating these young, promiscuous, and sinful children. Since we're on the subject of who Mrs. Voorhees is and was, did she ever happen to mention why she would take the time to talk to her final kill and and give her a chance to escape? I, maybe it's I don't I didn't find it, but maybe it's because it's the last kill. Maybe because I don't know. She she interacted with, but because for the sake of the movie, we're not allowed to hear her talk. Uh, she didn't talk to any of the others. But I think if the cameras weren't there, she would have. But since we need an explanation at the end of the movie of why everything's happening, she's the only one left to give it. So 
I see what you're saying, but it doesn't bother me that so, much. So at the end, she d- she talks to the final girl, and at one point, she just starts slapping the shit out of her. Yeah. Even though, like, it's like, why isn't she just killing her? This makes no sense. Well, she wants to get out more aggression now, I think. It's her, it's her last opportunity, and she wants them to know why they're being punished. It would be my theory. Well, Mrs. Voorhees' death is pretty epic. The final girl who has done nothing but, like, cower and whimper and scream ever since she found out Mrs. Voorhees was the killer randomly finds... Or is it the thing that the other guy had? We need to talk about the machete thing because that was really confusing. But... She Dude finds, is using she, a machete to clear the brush outside. Right, but... That's what machetes are used for. I know, but it's it's odd because Jason very famously wields a machete later on, but he does not get it until, like, movie three or four. Three, probably, I would assume. Anyway, um, so she totally just cuts off Mrs. Voorhees' head, and it is awesome yeah no mrs Voorhees is about to strike her with something i can't like a, a like knife. a poker or a knife or whatever knife. yeah and so our main character just swings right as mrs Voorhees is rearing back and just cuts her head clean off and it's so awesome now the fact that her head is cut clean off will come into play in later jason movies because he kind of obsesses with his mom as a matter of fact in the next movie i think in number two isn't that when we get the girl dressing up as his mom, pretending to be his mom? I think that's when that's, we find the shrine. I think that's three is too wacky for I that. Think that's three is it not three? I don't think is it's, it two. I don't know. They all kind of blur together for me now. I do know that three is the first time he gets his actual mask, and that'll come up later when we talk about the remake. So really quickly, like we said, we've seen every single Friday the Thirteenth movie. We've also seen every Halloween movie. We've also seen every single Freddy movie. And I think we can both agree that Friday the 13th is the worst of the three. Right. There is just so much boring and bullshit in his series. Yeah. Like, okay, so, you know, if we're talking about, oh, we just want to see how he creatively kills. Does he put them in a sleeping bag and whack them against a tree? Like, that's as creative as the kills in the movie gets. Oh, he folds a guy in half with a bed once. He chops a guy who's doing handstands down through his crotch. But that's about as inventive as it gets. In the Nightmare movies, Freddy will turn somebody into a cockroach and squish them. He will pull out their veins and and, and make them dance like a marionette and then cut the strings so they fall to their death from a tower. He'll turn somebody physically into a motorcycle. Okay, let's not talk about every single Freddy kill. I just just mentioned three. (laughs) They're insane and crazy, and if you want to see creative thrills, you go there. If you want to see, like, the creeping terror coming after you movies you see halloween except for number three (laughs) and if you want to see just like run of the mill this is horror in the 80s then you see friday the 13th and that's not like a bad thing it's just like a baseline i feel like it's you need to at least beat friday the 13th to be considered like a good horror movie it's a pretty good baseline yeah we talked about how it's basically a ripoff of halloween and it is and except with less story less story (laughs) it it takes a lot of the unique quality of it out and that's not to say that it wasn't the original wasn't unique making it the mother is a unique unique yeah uh but then it becomes jason and i would say that oh and then in one of them it's not jason 
yeah. <laughs> Whichever one it is with Tiny Corey Feldman, that's the last good one. There are no. I think that might be four, maybe or five. No, I think no. five is when he's grown up. Yeah, I think five is when he goes is when Jason goes to hell. But whatever it is, no, I think five is when it's not actually Jason. After the four? one, I, you, you see, they all kind of bleed together, and who knows? After the one after after Corey Feldman's movie, it just it, it never gets back up. Right. Oh, secret Corey Feldman's character never dies in the series. Ah. So they could bring him back. They were talking about. Oh, they did bring him back for the Friday the Thirteenth video game, which came out recently. He's a secret character in that. But he's not in this movie, so it doesn't matter. Now, speaking of the twist that it was Mrs. Voorhees at the end, Betsy Palmer is only in like 8, 11, something like that minutes. She's not in much of the movie because whenever we see the hands and everything, it's somebody else. Because they and, didn't want us to know it was a woman. Right, and the rest of it is a POV shot, so you never know it's her. But people, specifically Siskel of Siskel and Ebert, Gene Siskel, hated this movie. He thought it was awful. And he really resented Betsy Palmer being in it. And so did a lot of her fans because it kind of like ruined her image. So they thought he was so angry that now by today's standards, this would be absolutely unacceptable. Back then, anybody doing anything crazy with this information wasn't really thought of. But he published her home address in his magazine so people could write her letters but that he actually so doxed her. Up. It's really fucked up. He encouraged people to write her and protest it. But, but, he got the address wrong. Good. What <laughs> so Some random person. Yeah. No, no. He was so angry that he, he published her address and got it wrong. He also gave away the ending in his review. He was that angry. Now, Siskel and Ebert have been known to be really angry about movies and just like not care about about the audience anymore if they hate the movie so they'll tend to give it away but everyone was so intrigued by the fact that it was a woman killer that that just made tickets sell even more that's awesome you're you might not understand this but during the wwf and wcw monday night wars this is wrestling for anyone who doesn't know yes wcw was really beating WWF and they would do things like they would start they would start announcing the results because WWF Raw was pre-taped and so they'd send somebody to it and they'd announce the results on their show saying you don't need to turn the channel here's what's going to happen you just watch us one time they said oh my god what are they doing mankind wins the world championship what are they thinking everybody turned the channel to see that happening because that was such a nuts thing to happen and they that's when WWE started winning every week. Same sort of thing. Gene Siskel hated this movie so much that he spoiled the ending for people. And people were like, what? I gotta see that. And then they went to the movie to go see it. I wonder if the actors knew they were supposed to be talking to Mrs. Voorhees. I was paying very close attention to the way that they responded. And of course, like I said, none of them responded in fear that this was someone they clearly thought was supposed to be there. But I wonder. There was if they no indication. There's no indication that I saw that they kept it from them. In Star Wars, that did happen. They actually didn't tell anyone what Darth Vader was really going to say at the end of Empire Strikes Back. They said. Um, we won't spoil it because this is not a movie that we're doing. It's Empire Strikes Back. Come on. <laughs> Darth Vader is supposed to say in the script 
that Obi-Wan killed your father. And so his reaction is, no, you're lying. You know, like whatever his, his reaction is, that's not possible. That's what he says in the movie. That's impossible. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and then they didn't even tell uh, the actor, David Proust, and, and but they did tell right before the scene they told Mark Hamill, and that's why he gives such an oversized reaction. Everyone's like, oh, well, that's kind of an overreaction. And then they had James Earl Jones record the actual line after the fact. So nobody on set actually knew what the twist was. Uh, David Proof would later say, uh, I wish you would have told me because I would have behaved differently while giving that line. Nobody gives a shit about him. Right, yeah. <laughs> apparently he's a jerk, so who cares? But... They didn't tell anybody, and they were keeping it a secret even from the cast. I didn't see any indication that they would do that in this movie. So it's probably just, hey, react. You react like you know them. You react like you're not afraid of them. But they would have had the whole script. They would have known who the killer is. I don't think this is something so big. And there wasn't necessarily that that secrecy culture where they would have kept it from the cast. And there are two other things that I can point out that really rip off uh, from Halloween. If you've seen Halloween, then you know that it starts with a shot of a jack-o'-lantern and the jack it slowly gets up to the jack-o'-lantern and makes it big. They do the same thing with the title card of Friday the 13th. They start out with it getting small. It's just getting small and then it gets bigger and bigger. Doesn't um, it break the glass? Yes, it does. And then, in addition, there's a lot of elaborate placement of corpses in this movie. And specifically, there is one of a person hanging upside down, and he falls, and you, he, like, he's got his arms out and everything, and that's just, that's straight out of Halloween as right. well. And then, like, mounted on a wall. So, yeah, there are a lot of, there's a lot of copycats. And like we say, said, uh, Victor Miller did say he intentionally copied a lot of Halloween, uh, just because it was doing so well. Let's talk about the score. I wrote down in my notes that it's not really an iconic score, as opposed to Freddy and Michael, they have iconic sounds. This doesn't really, as far as the score goes, unlike Halloween and Nightmare on Elm Street, which have more iconic theme songs, this one really doesn't. It, nothing really hooks you, something that's very easily repeatable, except for the vocalizations. Now, a lot of people say, like, they hear it as... They hear... So, it's actually not... ha. It's... Ki-ma. Ka-ma. Ka-ma. Yeah, which, which is... Kill... Mommy. Mommy. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's, it's Jason telling her to kill. And we know that because she says... Kill her, Mommy. Kill her. And if you pay attention, you can hear that in the actual sound. Yes, but it's everyone. Everyone hears, ch -ch -ch -ch. <laughs> and that's what you see in a lot of spoofs and and, and on TV shows. And but it's very famous, and yeah. when you mm -hmm. hear that, you automatically think of Jason. And I think they right. accomplished what they set out. Not to a score is a sound effect, but yeah, the score's kind of whatever. Like it's it's hardly even there. But that's kind of the point. They intentionally only played music when Jason was in the scene. So, or not Jason, Mrs. Voorhees, I guess, the killer, was in the scene. So, in the beginning, there's hardly any music. 
Well, there is banjo music loudly when the kids are in the car coming up to the cabin in the woods. Hey, uh, Marcy. What? You really think there'll be other gorgeous women at Camp Crystal Lake besides yourself? <laughs> Sex all you ever think about? Hey, Ed? no, huh? no, absolutely not. <laughs> Sometimes I just think about kissing women. <laughs> Super loud banjo music, which seems really ill-placed. <laughs> but in any case, I guess aside from that, there isn't any music. And so towards the end of the movie, especially when there are a lot of long shots, and I'm going to talk about the shots in a little bit, there's a lot more music at the end because the killer is in a lot more of those scenes. Now, at the end, everything sort of ramps up and all the music starts playing and there's the central conflict where he's chasing after the final girl. Up to this point, though, nobody, nobody who isn't immediately killed knows there's a killer. Everyone who gets killed finds out there's a killer because they're in the middle of getting killed. The only time anybody can actually run from Mrs. Voorhees is right at the end when the last girl finds out. And she sees all the dead bodies. And nobody discovers a dead body up until this point. Tell me how I'm wrong. We actually talked about this right after the movie was over. And no, listeners, we did not go back to check if we were right or wrong. I am fairly positive that the dude that she's left with at the end, because um, it's her and one other guy at the end, I am fairly positive that he and she saw a dead body. And so they knew something was going on. And so he tells her to wait and he's going to go take care of something, go do something. No, I know exactly what that something is. And then he gets killed. They go, and I said this at the time, the guy leaves because the generator goes out. Not because they found a body. They were like, it's really weird. Everyone's gone. Something must be going on. Let's just sit and wait. And then the, then all the light, all the power goes out and she's left with a lantern and he goes to check on the generator and she wakes up freaked out. And then she's like, oh, oh, right. He's gone because he went to go check on the generator. And she like says that out loud. Oh, the generator. She looks at the lamp and she's like, wait, why is the lamp on? Where is the, oh, the generator. Oh, that's right. I do. Now I remember that because she woke up. Yeah. And she had this weird moment. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so I'm it's, wrong. it's really weird that none of the none of the running happens until all the people are dead. But I guess you could say the same thing about Halloween. Nobody runs from Michael Myers until Lori does. And at that point, everyone else who's going to die in the movie dies, except... In that, it has Sam Loomis, the doctor, who already knows that there's a killer and is telling everyone he can talk to about it. And I would like to point out that Jamie Lee Curtis is super cute. She just has horrible, ugly outfits. Whereas in this movie, the girl's dressed perfectly fine. Oh, you're so mean. <laughs> Girl is not attractive. Except for, at She's one point... She's not what you would assume that they would put in, no, in, in a horror movie at, at this all. time. But... She's perfectly cute. No. But at the end, at one point, her hair gets wet, and so she has, like, a different hairstyle. And I was like, wow, she would look so much cuter with, like, 1950s bangs 
on her. Yeah. It, it looked a lot better on her. I'm really sorry if this is if this mic is picking up these cri- this cricket. I doubt it, it is. It is super loud. Okay, if it can't pick up my voice half the time, it's not picking up a cricket. <laughs> anyway, should we go into... Lightning round. Opening shot. A group of camp counselors are singing... Oh, Jesus in heaven, I love you. Could never happen now. Yeah, and Kumbaya and uh, Kumbaya, my lord. It's a bunch of those sort of campfire Jesus songs. Maybe they're opening it as a Jesus camp. Except the camp counselor is, or the owner is sleeping, apparently, dating whatever, one of his counselors. In the 80s, not in the 50s. In the 50s, it's yeah, two yeah, teenagers. Yeah, yeah. But in, in the 80s, they sing Kumbaya. Oh, do they? yeah. The name Jason came about. Uh, so there's one account that Victor Miller combined his sons, uh, who are Josh and Ian, to get Jason. But that's not what I hear. I hear originally he was going to name the killer Josh, which is funny because that's my brother's name. And he ended up naming him Jason after a school bully. That So those are the two conflicting stories. And Chris's name. My, the name my family knows me by is Jason. <laughs> Which is why we've dressed up as Jason and one of his kills for Halloween a couple yes. years ago. Yes. So at one point in the beginning, the cook, the girl that, that dies first, gets picked up by a truck driver. And he's telling her not to go because she'll be doomed. Doomed. Um, and he says, dumb kids, know-it-alls, head full of rocks. And she responds with, you're an American original. And I was like... <laughs> Is that an insult? Yeah, that uh-huh. I'm I'm not aware of. I think it's like an ad campaign, an American original or whatever. It's for but something. Is that something famous? Yeah, it's like a famous ad campaign for something. Oh, hold on, I'm gonna look it up. Cause I've always thought that was the weirdest insult. Like I was like, I get it because of context, but I don't understand if that's a callback to something. If you look up an American original. It was a book originally published in 1976 about Walt Disney. <laughs> that, I don't think that's what she's alluding to. I think it's to. just a term. There's a there's an album called an American original. It's just a term. Oh, and okay. So after we saw the movie, I was reading through my notes and I saw that I wrote something that said, a very Nancy sex scene. And I was like, what did I mean by that? I could not understand it. Oh, do you remember now? I just figured it out. What is it? So, the sex scene between the hot chick, by the way, the hot chick's a terrible actress, but the sex scene between the hot chick and Kevin Bacon, which, by the way, was Kevin Bacon there in the beginning? Because all of a sudden he was just there. And I was like, I, I didn't see him show up or anything. Yeah, I remember he's talking with the cop shows up like right after they get there yeah, and then he talks to the cop. I guess. Anyway, so she's ha- they're having sex and it's a pretty hot sex scene. And I was sitting there and I was like, this is totally making me think of the sex scene from Stranger Things. Oh, that That's, Nancy. That Nancy. I, we were thinking Nancy from Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes. I was <laughs> so very like, wait, what does that mean? Nancy doesn't have sex in a Nightmare on Elm Street. It almost looks like, and I know they didn't do it, but it almost looks like Stranger Things like tried to... Hey, Stranger Things has a lot of homages. It certainly does, but that would be a weird one. That would be a, that would be a really weird one. It would be a really obscure one. <laughs> 
there's a really cool shot that I like that I want to point out. I really like it when a camera follows people to a door and then they walk in the door and it stays on the outside and then it films them from the outside and it's a really good long shot and they're talking about how the phone's out. Oh, go try the payphone and they walk out of the window's view as the camera continues to pan and right as they're like, the phone lines must be cut. We see that the phone lines are cut. We actually see that they're cut. Oh. So it's really, really cool long shot and I got to give it to Sean Cunningham or whoever the director of photography was, that was Barry Abrams, who did a really good job of filming that scene. There are a lot of long shots towards the end of the movie, and they're they're really, really cool. I, I love oneers as they're called, and so I really wish people would use them, and use them in ways that are kind of uh, hidden, where you don't notice them as much. But I really like that. Your turn. Is strip monopoly a thing that people do? Absolutely not. I think they're just working with what they had. They didn't have playing cards. <laughs> that was odd. Also odd that they have a fire in the middle of June. Sure, it gets cold. It was filmed in New Jersey. Mm. Also, there's the scene when she's trying to keep the killer out, and so she's she first ties a rope to a rafter. And then ties it to the door handle and pulls it as tight as she possibly can. Meaning, it would only be helpful if the door opened outwards. We see later that it does open outwards. But she also piles a bunch of shit up against the door to prevent it from opening inwards, which would do nothing if the door opens outwards. It really bothered me. I'm, I'm seeing her do the rope, and I'm like, oh, that's clever. And then she piles stuff in front of the door, and I'm like, wait a minute, these two things conflict, and it bothered me until I finally found out that the door opens outwards, and yeah, all that pile of shit was for nothing. <laughs> the hot chick who dies in the bathroom, she uh, does a weird, like, she stops and talks to the mirror, and she says something and I was like, what on earth is that a reference to? So I looked it up and it's a reference to this movie called Rainmaker. And I'm like, why on earth would this hot chick have seen the movie The Rainmaker? And why on earth would she be saying it to the mirror? The only thing I can come up with is that it was raining outside. I hear Rainmaker and I think Danny DeVito and Matt Damon. It's a movie where Matt Damon plays a young lawyer and Danny DeVito plays an old lawyer and no. No. <laughs> That's what I think no, of. It's like, it's like a movie. Grisham novel or something. No, I know it's not that one. Yeah, it's just an old movie with of. like Catherine Hepburn. Yeah. Also, when she, the girl's in the bathroom and she's she hears something or something scares her and she looks and inexplicably a a lamp which is hanging from the ceiling is swinging and i'm like what what did mrs Voorhees do did she like hit the lamp so that the girl like, just would tap look, it yeah, to freak her like, out yeah <laughs> <laughs> like, what was that all right anything any last minute things to say about friday the 13th from mm -hmm. 1980 i know you got tons of stuff written down but you always do and it's too much to talk i was about. really stoked at the end when the girl and i've already talked about how great mrs Voorhees uh, death is I take it very offensively that girls in trouble never grab a goddamn weapon. And she did. She picked up the machete and she took off Mrs. Voorhees' head with it. And that made me really happy. Right. It reminds me of one of my favorite movies ever, which I'm sure we'll talk about, Alien, when... It's on the list. It is on the list. And, and we'll talk about it where Ripley originally was a male character. And the studio said, 
hey, you know how in horror movies there's the last girl? Let's make the the surviving person a woman instead. And they changed all the he's to she's and all of the him's to hers. And that's all they did. And then they cast Sigourney Weaver. So that's why she's so awesome. Yeah. she was originally supposed to be a man. She was written as a man and then played as a woman. Yeah. uh So more movies should do that, I think. Oh, should they? Or could we just start seeing women as being equal to men? I'm saying this is a way to do it. She is one of the most badass women characters in any movie. And she stands up. She fights and, and fights off the killer because they wanted to be like an old horror movie. So if you're a man and you don't know how to write women, don't listen to What's-His-Face where you write I a man. think of a man. Yeah. And, and I, I take, take away, away reason, reason and, and accountability. accountability. No, just think of a man and then change all the he's to she's and you're good. Like, that's how you should be writing women. You should be writing women exactly how you write men. Any case, Rotten Tomatoes, Friday the 13th, 1980. What do you think? 79. 59. Wow. Certified Rotten. Really? Yeah, I think it needs to get to 60 before it gets fresh. I do not agree with that. That is way well, underrated. Underrated? Yeah. Okay, what would you 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 what would you personally give it? The audience gives it 61%, so the audience thinks it's worth watching. I would probably give it a 77, a 75, 75 I'd say. Yeah, something around there. Yeah, uh, yeah it's a it's a solid I think, C movie. I think you have to watch it if you like horror movies. Yeah, there's no question. You must see Friday the Thirteenth. I'm really shocked it did so low. Yeah, well, it did really well, so people went and saw it. So you know, ratings don't mean everything. That is Friday the Thirteenth from 1980. Next up in this double feature. The late night. We're going to do Friday the 13th from 2009, just shy of 30 years. Makes no sense why they would do that. Right. The Remakewell. And when we come back, I will tell you why I'm calling it the Remakewell. So if you haven't watched it before, go ahead and watch it now, as always. And when we come back, we'll talk about 2009's Friday the 13th. Did you know a young boy drowned here? He was my son, and today is his birthday. Hey, I'm not from around here, but I'm looking for my sister. She's gone missing. She ain't missing. She's dead. You gotta get out of here. Come on, you guys. Oh, my God. This place is called Camp Crystal Lake. Jason, and today is his birthday. Kelsey? Yes? What is Friday the 13th about? I mean the one from 2009. Same exact story, except that this time, it's Jason. Yes. This is what I call a remakequel, because it is half a remake, half a sequel. It is like Friday the thir- the original Friday the 13th Part 2, where Jason comes back and does all the killings, but then it also throws in part three, where he has, where in part two, he has the burlap sack mask thing, and then he replaces it in part three with the hockey mask that he gets from one of the, from one of the kills. So it, what it does is it takes elements from 
all the other, all the movies and it puts also them into one. It also starts the very first kill. It's just like in the, It starts with the end of the, of original. the original. Yeah, where, so where it's kind she... of a sequel and it's kind of a remake of the entire series. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it is the remakeable. Made by who, Chris? Michael Bay. Now, Michael Bay is a producer. Fuck Michael But he Bay. didn't do anything with this movie and I'll tell you how much he didn't do anything with the movie. He walked out of the premiere. What? Yeah, he walked out of the premiere because there was too much sex. What? Yeah. He doesn't have sex in his movies, really. Oh, no. He just subjectifies women. Oh, totally. All the time. All the time. But he doesn't show them getting pleasure. Oh, yes. (laughs) That would be the problem. It's all about the men's perspective. You're right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Yeah, he said said it had too much sex. So. God, what an asshole. That's Fuck kind you, of a bummer. Michael Bay. And as Kelsey pointed out originally, if they had waited one more year, it would have been the 30th anniversary. But it does flash to June 13th, 1980 as the original. So they knew it. They just didn't do anything with it, which is kind of a bummer. But he wears the burlap sack. He wears the hockey mask. And he grabs the machete that the girl used to chop off his mom's head, which I thought was interesting because, like I said, I was very confused while watching the first one. I was like... Yeah, he saw the murder and then he took the machete. Right, but in the original, that's not what happened. He didn't get the machete until, like, the third movie. We didn't talk about how Jason jumps out of the water at the end of the movie. That's right, we didn't talk about that at all. Um, Another thing it does is it plays with expectations. Since you know it's going to be a lot of really good remake stuff from the original series one of the most iconic jason kills as i mentioned in the first segment is he takes a woman that's in a sleeping bag and he beats her up up into a tree and when the woman with the bad boob job goes to the tent in the beginning of the movie which by the way longest pre-title sequence in the history of the world it's but like really something good minutes. yeah 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 at first we're like is this movie gonna be Yeah, at first we were super impressed. You're like, this is actually really good. So instead of, I was thinking, oh man, she's going to the tent. I hope she gets killed by picking up a sleeping bag and banging her against a tree. That doesn't happen. He traps her in the sleeping bag and then her boyfriend or whatever turns the corner and sees she's hanging from a tree over the fire being suffocated probably to death, but also badly burned. She doesn't. They don't show her any bird. They just show that she died. Of and and yeah, but then her 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 skin's all charcoaly, and you see it's kind of glowy when the other chick comes. And it's all just to set up that he doesn't kill the one girl that looks like his mom, which is again a play into the one girl who pretends to be his mom, which this girl does in the movie. And then that sets up what ends up happening in the rest of the movie. These people come up to a cabin with this dickhead and they run into a guy who's looking for his sister, the one who's kidnapped. So if you guys couldn't tell when we're going through our notes and we're a little confused about things, we partake in drinking and other such activities while watching these movies. And so I was looking up before we even started watching either of these, I was looking up uh, drinking games to play while watching these movies and the, for, for the first one, they have the whole long list. And then for every sequel after that, they, they like add, add things. things to it. Yeah. The only thing that is added on to this 2009 version is drink every time Trent is an asshole. Is it Trent? Is his name Trent? Yes, it is. It is Trent. 
what's wrong with Trent? Now, when you mentioned, you saw in the credits that there's a Travis Van Winkle, and I'm like, of the Vanilla Ice Van Winkles? <laughs> I don't know. He, if that's the guy who's Van Winkle, he looks like Vanilla Ice. The is Winkle he... vibe? No, yeah. He looks kind of like Vanilla Ice. Is he like Vanilla Ice's brother or some shit? Holy crap, if he is. <laughs> it doesn't say. I don't think he is. Doubtful. That's a bummer. All right, so let's talk about this movie uh, a little bit more in depth than just how it's a remake well, and how Trent's a dick. <laughs> it was produced, in addition to Michael Bay, it was produced by Sean F. Cunningham, who is the um, half-writer and full director of the original, and is a producer, remains a producer on pretty much the rest of the series. I have a thing written here that says, how would they know he came back? Is it just supposed to be a coincidence? Because when they first get there, okay, so let's talk about why they're there. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so they're there all to go on a camping trip, but the nerd and the cool guy in the in the intro section are really there to find what apparently is a not well-guarded weed field. Look, I didn't plant this shit, Richie, okay? I got this tip from a secondhand source. We should be close enough to smell it. Look, we're going to stop here. Tomorrow morning, you and me, we get up at dawn, we go, we find the crop, we, we cut down as much as we can, we ditch it in the truck, back here before breakfast, hey. okay? Guys. Nobody knows a thing. Guys. How do you just that not guard it at all? <laughs> and sell, like seriously, if you're going up into these one of, one of these hidden caches of weed, like there are probably dudes with guns protecting that stuff. So kids at home, don't do that. But I think that's actually part of the implication that all these people do believe in this ghost story. And so they know the weed the weed growers know so I, that no one comes out, goes I out I do there. have written here, how did people build a weed crop with Jason around killing people? Maybe he did actually kill them and that's why there's nobody guarding it. That might be because at somebody one point, made it out alive or whatever, like went in, saw the weed, made it out alive and then told people or whatever. At one point, there's like a mechanic or whatever the hell that guy is doing. Yeah, he's helping out at the dude's f farm. He says, barn. I can get you some weed because I, I know where some grows. Yeah. Uh -huh. So yeah, so there is a weird story here. Like what happened to the weed dealer? So maybe that he, they were killed by Jason or maybe it was that Jason kind of like their guard dog on accident by default. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's pretty neat. Um, they mess around with the fact that Jason, he doesn't teleport everywhere, but it seems like he does. They play around with that trope from the earlier movies by explaining that he has a series of tunnels underneath the whole land. And there. traps and stuff that help him know where people right, are. Right, including a fucking bear trap, which really with the bear trap, I have that written here. I have God damn it with the bear trap. Like, ugh, that's some torture porn shit because it's 2009. Torture porn's very popular. So, like, it's scraping his skin off as they're trying to open it. I'm surprised they didn't open it and then it they it slips and it closes back on his leg again. Like, it was unnecessary, I feel. But while we're on the subject of Jason, we, we have not talked about this at all. Jason really confused me in this movie. Why is that? Because of the elaborate setup, because of the tunnels, because he seems more intelligent, because he's faster, because he seems to pick up on things, is he supposed to be alive? Because Yes, he's a hunter in this. Okay, well, they never explained that. She says in the beginning, when she gets killed, the mom, that he died. Yeah, I think he didn't actually die, though. 
Okay, they should have made that way clear because the whole time I was like, why is he so sentient? Why does he understand what's going on? Well, the idea Jason is, is supposed to be just a blind, evil killing thing. The idea is they stumbled upon his hunting grounds. He is a hunter and he's a very accomplished hunter. And that's the way they made it. So it's some 15 minutes into the movie before the first kill happens. And it's like, wow, this movie. And then they starts he starts killing quickly. And I'm like... It's way too late to be just the intro scene, and he starts killing a lot. So is this movie just going to be a lot of running, but with a few people left over? Like I, I didn't, I didn't know, and it was starting to be really cool. I was really enjoying it, and then the scene where the dude explains the wonders of GPS and the girls flashing the other guy during that conversation, and there's this weird sort of like, you know, fake porn music playing. You know what makes me happy, Richie? Global positioning systems, GPS to the layperson, NASA technology in the palm of your hand. You know what this little fucker does? This guy sends a signal up in outer space. Go! Signal! Satellite gets it, turns it around, it's like, oh, thank you, GPS. I'm gonna send a signal down to you. Signal! Back to the palm of your hand. Technology, man. It is unfucking believable. Wait, <laughs> you gotta bounce, dude. And it's really obnoxious and dumb. That's why I thought Michael Bay was a part of it. Yeah. I was like, oh, here we go, objectifying women. Cool. And yeah, it's it it's really bad, and I hated it. But then it won me back because they kick the guy out. They send him on a walk, and he goes on a walk, and he starts singing "Motorin'" by Sister Christian, and it's really really cool. love it and then the music starts to fade out because you can tell he's listening to it in his headphones i really wish it stayed high the whole time and we couldn't hear a lot of stuff so we're as surprised as he is when it happens and then the music doesn't like fade out until the earbuds like pop out of his ear or whatever that would have been a really cool effect and it's an opportunity missed now kelsey after this i'm relying on you a lot because i have literally two more notes well, I've got plenty. <laughs> All right, we're going to talk about what you want to talk about. Let's talk about the chick who is totally objectified, right? She implies that her vagina smells like fish at one point because... He says he doesn't eat fish. And she's like, that's not what you told me. Right. Also, the chick totally takes off her shirt when the nerd is sitting right there. And I'm just like, okay. This girl must have some serious body issues. Yeah. Like she serious self-esteem shit. She has a boob job shit. and yeah. Who, what girl refers to her vagina as smelling like fish? That is I'm sure something. a lot of girls do. Not joking, not being gross. Yeah, it would be a joke. But whatever. I mean, I guess she's Are you reading too much into it? It she's... made me really uncomfortable. Yeah. I was like, I would never say that about my vagina. I'm sorry. I like my vagina. Also. I'm um, not going to comment. <laughs> Also, who would just take off their fucking top like that with somebody else sitting there? You could do that. Weird. Listen, I'll tell you, there I've been in some situations. I was like sitting on a bed playing a video game over at a friend's house and there and then all of a sudden there was just stuff going on behind me. <laughs> like it happens. So then 
the the good girl is out with her boyfriend and her boyfriend like is trying to get her to feel good about leaving because you find out that her mother has cancer which is kind of the reason why the brother comes to find her it's it's a weird little well because he knows something's wrong when she goes off and and the boyfriend mentions that she's with her every day she said the mom said to get you away for a weekend and then you can go back on monday and everything will be fine you'll be well rested and he basically implies yeah your mom told me to get you out of town to go steal weed to drink to have sex i don't feel right being here so far away from my mom. Your mom's the one that told me to get you out of town for a few days. Really? Yeah. Come on. Have sex with your boyfriend <laughs> in a cramped little tent. <laughs> we can get hammered, blow some chunks in the woods, and we can go back Monday and deal with whatever. Yeah, I'm sure that's exactly what the mom meant when she <laughs> said take my daughter out for a weekend. Yeah. In any case, just let her relax, show her a good time. And as far as the brother knows, she just disappears and she never comes home. And he's like, well, that's really unlike her. And then the mom dies and they have the funeral and she's not there. And then he tells the cop this. That's just impossible. Like something's wrong. She didn't just run away. So the the cool friend is a total dick. And he's like, tell your dumb shit to someone else. I could never imagine saying that to one of my friends. But anyway... Then, like we said, the guy goes out and he's just wandering around because his friends are having sex and he's supposed to get out of their hair. If he truly believes that Jason is real, why isn't he afraid? Why isn't he worried? He's telling a ghost story. It's not, it's not that he believes it's real. He's trying to freak him out. Isn't that a cool story? I don't think he's totally like manifesting it inside his head as something he should be afraid of. Cut back to the good girl and her boyfriend, like we just said, they're walking around, and they get into the cabin where, I guess it was the mess hall, and Jason had his own little bedroom in there. No, that was her cabin that oh, she that lived her in. Cabin. Yeah. But everything is just left out. Food is left out. Yeah. Toys are there. Like, this was a crime scene, and they haven't touched it? Are you kidding me? Right, yeah. Also, if everything's just been left for 29 years... Wouldn't it be covered in cobwebs? Wouldn't there be bugs everywhere? Like, yeah, everything. Well, there's a bunch of like dead leaves and dust. But there's and stuff no like cobwebs. That. There's no spiders. I'm sorry, they're not thinking about this shit. You definitely are. Yes, I'm yeah. definitely thinking about it. <laughs> Cut back to the two having sex, and she hears a noise, and she makes him go check it out, and it's pretty funny. If you're whacking off out there, that is not cool. <laughs> Yeah, it's really funny. The guy's like, whatever, let him watch. I don't care. And then he says, I'm not going out there with a boner. Why? Why does that matter? The guy knows you were having sex. Yeah, you don't show your boner off to people. There is an, an ingrained instinct in young men to disguise your boner from other people because, <laughs> listen, I didn't expect to be talking about this on this podcast. But listen, if you went to high school with any boys, they had boners around you and you didn't know. You're telling me that my students do. Yes, absolutely they do. That it makes happens. Me super uncomfortable. <laughs> right. Because they do a, a valiant job of hiding that fact. 
I also love, so the guy goes out there, he's looking for his friend, and you find the fucking ear. He finds the ear, and he doesn't know what it is, and he picks it up, and it's so gross, uh, and it's got the headphones yes. still sticking. It's, it's a really good title sequence. Right. Like, it, it Except was for the obnoxious more, stuff. Like, right. it's still really but cool. you found yourself enjoying it, and I think that speaks a lot to Friday the 13th's problem. Its biggest problem, and I said this earlier... A lot of it is very boring. Yeah. This was fast paced. This was get out there, being stupid, getting killed. Like, that's what you watch a Friday the 13th movie for. Right. And this just cut right to the chase. It didn't force you to watch boring conversations with kids that you don't give a shit about. And after you spend 20 minutes with them, then we got to spend another 20 minutes getting to know this new group of people. And it's just kind of boring. And we did watch... The director's cut. The killer cut. The killer cut. Yeah. And so it was like, what, 11 minutes longer or something like that? It wasn't It wasn't that much longer. Um, but it was a little more violent and a little more explicit. But whatever, I wouldn't have been able to tell you which scenes were cut out. In any case, all the friends die, including the black friend who goes out of his way to point out that he's black and mock people for believing in black stereotypes. He's part of the second group. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's the make second group. Clear. Yeah, so we're talking about the second group here. Um, he goes out of his way to talk about how, you know, like they're mocking the st- the black male stereotypes, and this is a horror movie. And nope, he just dies too. Like. It was kind of a bummer. I thought they'd be like, hey, you know, we're mocking black stereotypes. We're not going to fall prey to this one. Like, nope, it's one of the most basic tropes of horror movies is the black guy always has to die. Well, I actually, there was one more thing I want to talk about with the first group. Okay. So when they're in the cabin, the boyfriend is trying to save his girlfriend. And what Jason is doing is he's under the floorboards and he's poking his machete up yeah, through uh-huh. the, the floorboards. That was cool. So the, it was cool. So the boyfriend turns to the girlfriend and he says, get off the floor. And she jumps into the tub. She jumps into the tub that... With Miss Voorhees' with, head. With Miss yes. Voorhees' head. It was... I, like, as soon as he said that, I was like, no, 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 jump in the bathtub. And then she did. That was the perfect place. It was really great. I, what, do you want to stay away from the dude with the machete or the head? And like, then Jason pops up out oh, of the floor. They it did that so more than good. once. They did that more than once in this movie, and it was really good. Yeah. Like, they, they did so much so well if it wasn't just so boring. Mm-hmm. So I wrote specifically what a bunch of assholes because these oh, they're all people assholes. are just yeah. dicks. Um, like, yeah, Trent is a dick about his dad's place, but they're dicks to it. Like they're oh, playing yeah. the the spilling beer games everywhere. And like, yeah, they're they're total assholes. And w- when we first meet them, the brother is at the front and he's asking the guy, like, have you seen my sister? She's gone missing, blah, blah, blah. And Trent just goes, hey, buddy, are you going to buy something? Yeah, no, Trent's like, a total douche. But like to the point of like absurdity, who yeah. would say that when you're looking for your sister? Like, right. Like, fucked up like it's one thing to be like oh god this guy's taking forever or he's writing a check and then he's asking questions about coupons and then oh now they got to go find a price for something and they're not just going to ring up the next person like it's not like that which is really annoying it's no dude's looking for his lost sister like trent's a jackass and he deserves to die and he lives way too long like 
Way it also too makes long. no sense that he would be with his girlfriend. They don't do a great job of explaining why they're together. They do have one cute scene together. That is not enough to justify this relationship where she clearly sees that he's just a total dickbag. His bag girlfriend his girlfriend Danielle Panabaker from Flash. Yes. Um, and Clay, the other guy, the guy who's looking for his sister, is played by Jared Padalecki, who most people would probably know from Supernatural, which is a show that I've just refused to watch and I don't know why. <laughs> Sorry if that makes me an outcast. So, the two minority characters, the Asian guy and the black guy, are of course friends because, you know... We need to put the two races together. Right, that yeah. We've got. Uh-huh. We got the minorities together. But they did have a cute Black little interaction. Really cool, yeah, no, they're really cute the together. The Asian guy takes out this huge bong. His name is Chewy, by the way. No, her name is Lucy. No, the Asian dude's name is Chewy. Oh, is Aaron, it? Aaron Yu is, is the character's name is Chewy. Yes. Well, anyway, so he pulls out this huge bong and he calls it Lucy. And they have this little cute, like, You've been cheating on me. And the black guy goes, no, no, I promise I haven't. Lucille? Baby, is that you? Lawrence, you've been cheating on me. No. I saw you with a bowl the other night. No, you. A bowl. It's really cute and it's really funny. But you don't believe it for a second because you've come to already hate these characters. Right, yeah. You think they're assholes and you're just like... I don't buy into the idea that they would make jokes about being in a relationship with a bong. Like, and the black don't. guy is Arlen Escarpeta from Belize, actually. That's pretty cool. So this was, again, made in 2009. And I yes. point that out because at one point, one of the girls takes out a camera to videotape what's going on. And I can't remember the last time I saw someone... Not pro- that like wasn't one of those pocket cameras and that yeah, had like uh-huh. a cam like in the hand and it had like the little screen. Oh, not next the pocket cameras, it. like the camcorders. Yeah, uh-huh. I was like, when was the last time I saw one of those? And this was made. This came out in two thousand nine, so a we can assume quarter. that it was that it was made in two thousand eight. Yeah, and that's nuts. It's only been nine years, and that already seems like well, wow. Who the fuck would use that anymore? Right, but I mean, I'm sure somebody paid to get their product in there. Um, was this a Sony movie? This was a Sony movie, wasn't it? It's probably a Sony device. (laughs) Sony does that all the time. New Line Cinema, Paramount, Platinum Dunes. It is not Sony, but I could totally see that being a thing that they would do. So Jason, like we said, he has the machete from the very beginning and he wears the, um, bag over his head at the beginning. Then we see his face and it's all fucked up. It reminded me of Rob Zombie and his bullshit. Yeah. But more so... He finds the hockey mask in a tool shed. Why is there a hockey mask in a tool shed? No, it's a shed full of extra stuff. It's the same place where the where the uh, mannequin is. There's just a ton of extra shit in there. And it's a dirty old hockey mask. Like, I totally believed it. I was like, oh, that makes sense. It's a junk shed. And that's what's in there. And he's like, huh, well, I, my mask got torn off. I'm going to put this on instead. And it was totally cool. I totally believed it. Totally, so, totally, totally. Then we see a, a couple get on a uh, a boat that they're not supposed to get on, and they go wakeboarding. Topless wakeboarding. Topless wakeboarding. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Do, like, does no one know what, except for women what it's like to have boobs? Hey, she one, was actually doing. I it. I know she was actually doing it, and girls will do a whole lot of shit that they get paid for. That. Whoa. <laughs> if this was if this was real, do you know how painful that would oh, be? I'm sure. 
Like, especially with the hopping over the way. It waves. would be super oh, painful. There man. is a reason that we wear bras, people. <laughs> it's not just because it looks cool. Yeah. It supports them because they fucking hurt when they're not supported and yeah. you're doing stuff like physical activity. And I know that she doesn't fall until, like, at the end when she gets killed. But actually, I think she does. She does fall naturally yeah. at first. Uh-huh. Yeah. We would take that into account before we got on a wakeboard and we'd be like, hard water on my naked breasts? I don't think so. That would be painful. Right, but she's just trying to do the slutty thing to this guy that like, oh, why? Is, what does it say about me that uh, until he told me I couldn't drive the, the speedboat, I didn't want to drive the speedboat, but now I have to drive the speedboat. And she's like, what does that say about me that I think that's hot? <laughs> like, she's just being that way. Like, she's just trying to be I guess, dumb I, and attractive, I am attractive not, to the guy. I am not judging any girl out there that is listening to this and is thinking, wow, this girl must be really uncomfortable with her body. She's not okay with the chick taking her top off next to talking some friends. Talking about fish. And, talking about fish. Yeah. <laughs> um, dude, getting on. You do you, girl. If you want to go wakeboarding topless, you go right right ahead but don't come crying to me when you fall and that shit hurts like a motherfucker yeah uh-huh because at speed water is concrete mm-hmm. like that that really must suck and she got the machete right into the top of her head no she didn't yeah she did she got hit by the boat that didn't kill her though oh he does the machete through the dock she yeah did, she yeah, manages yeah. to make it to the dock originally that death was supposed to be him just standing there and stalking her and her not being able to get out of the water and so she dies because she gets exhausted and drowns but she goes to the dock he walks away when he's walking on top of the dock then all of a sudden machete through the head and then he lifts the machete up pulling her up with it pulling the machete all the way out and she she drifts into the water and then the same exact shot of him walking away it's the same shot they reused it also i'd like to point out that the way the guy dies in the boat oh is an arrow to the arrow head to the head yeah mm-hmm. uh-huh so, which which happens in friday the 13th part three where we specifically see an arrow going into somebody's head because it was the 3d movie and you see the arrow traveling yes i know there was an arrow kill but it happens off screen in the first movie so there is a shot that felt like it was taken straight out of jaws i'm surprised you didn't write that down we see her from underwater and the way that she's moving oh yeah straight Uh out of jaws can we say lightning round i talked a lot about how much it bothered me how much they changed jason like this is super elaborate this is way too intelligent why like he would not keep her a prisoner like really bothered me i think it's fine it's a new jason for a new era i'm totally fine with it and trust me i'm not just fine with everything i'm not just devil's advocate to everything kelsey says i i'm legitimately fine with that when there are things that change i will absolutely complain if i don't like it I'm surprised you didn't write anything about Lagavulin. Yeah. Chewie finds Lagavulin and he talks about how it'll strip paint off wood. Which is, uh, <laughs> yes. And what movie did we watch that, that they drink Lagavulin in? 28 days later, mm-hmm. they drink Lagavulin. And, yeah. uh, and we know it because of? Parks and Recreation. Mm-hmm. And uh, just the other day I had some Lagavulin and you tried it. Yeah. What did you think, Kelsey? It could totally strip paint off oh, of walls. <laughs> it was good. It was good. So the douchebag Trent decides to cheat on his girlfriend because his girlfriend leaves. We didn't explain that. He's gone for hours. So she leaves with the guy who's searching for his sister because Trent is an asshole to the guy again. And he kicks him out when she invites him in. So she's like, you know what? I'm going to walk you to the next place you need to go. And then she ends up staying with him. And that's when they encounter Jason. 
So Trent ends up sleeping with another girl because, you know, fuck my girlfriend. And he keeps saying stupendous, how stupendous yeah. oh, your tits her breasts are. are. Stupendous. Mm. Oh, wow. Your tits are stupendous. <laughs> wow, you really know how to make a girl feel special, huh? That's what I do. <laughs> you have excellent nipple placement. Then the black guy goes to jack off right out in the open. And when he started doing it, I was like, dude, anyone could just walk in. And then they did. Yeah. In walks the chick and the, boy and the guy. And I was like, what are you doing? Do men do that Some, too? Sometimes you got to take risks. <laughs> are you fucking kidding me? Oh my God. I do not understand. So then she, of course, she knows that Jason is alive and she's trying to warn everybody. She goes in. It's pretty fucking clear that her boyfriend is cheating on her. Bitch don't care. Of course she doesn't. There's a literal murderer after them. She doesn't give a fuck. I think if anything, she just finds it obnoxious because she can't get his attention to let him know there's a killer out there because he's fucking her. She doesn't care about the relationship. She's already acknowledged that he's a dickhead and there's a killer after them. Like, what does she care at this point? Of course not. Then the movie really starts to drag at that point. Once they all are aware of of him. Yeah, it's things... extended unnecessarily. They find the sister. They get the sister out. Then Danielle Panabaker dies. And then it's the brother and sister trying to get away. And it, it is just really, really dragged on. It goes on and on and on. And yeah. I have a bunch of different things about how boring and long this is. And that is the problem. Friday the 13th series, they need to learn how to vamp up their so story. So the theatrical release, if it cut out several minutes, that could have only been for the best. Mm-hmm. And then he, at one point, he bursts through a window. And that happens in one of the other movies, too. Yes, it does, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is this the third one? Second, probably. Well, he, he breaks through a window to come after And grabs girl. the person that's in the window, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, there are quite a few callbacks that I didn't I didn't list down, but it does do justice to the original series. I feel like they could make this movie now and do a better job of it. Yes. And then at the very end, it really pissed me off because it was basically like they were fucking freeing him by putting him into the water. And then I ended up being right because he comes back and kills them. But it was just like you had him pinned. Well, it's an ending that happens in the first one where it's ambiguous if it's real or not. Just like in the first Nightmare on Elm Street where it's just, ah, they come back for the big scare that they talk about at the end of Scream. This is the moment when the supposedly dead killer comes back to life for one last scare. Right, but they had him pinned. Like, he couldn't have gotten up from where they had him and then they put him in the fucking water. Yeah, well, he was, as far as they were, as they knew, dead. Now he needs to come back as a zombie of hell. So there's no reason they should expect that he wouldn't be dead. What they should have done, though, is called the cops again, get a different like the cops should have come out already when the other cop didn't when the cop was killed. The cops should have come out already to see what was going on, because it's like the next morning by that time and be like, yo, this guy was killing lots of people when they kill him. Do you remember what the sister says? What Whitney the sister says. Oh, yeah, we haven't even mentioned that at the end, we don't get a couple, we get a brother and sister. Which I really appreciated. I that thought that was really cool. She says, say hi to mommy in hell. Jason! Say hi to mommy in hell! Oh, that's right. <laughs> she does. Yeah. So bad and so good at the same time. Mm-hmm. I loved it. 
But this movie, I assume, was trying to kick off a new series, and it must it was. not have worked. It didn't happen, no. The second movie never happened, and then it was just a standalone, which I think is fine. I think the fact that it was a remakequel of the entire series, I thought it did a, a really good job of covering a lot of the entire series, and they didn't need a sequel to this one. Instead, we got a sequel to Halloween, <laughs> which we are still never going to see. <laughs> All right. But so overall. Yes. Overall, no lightning round. You got everything. Mm-hmm. Okay. Overall, I would say that I actually did enjoy this. It just started to drag a lot. But like at first I was totally into it. I was like, this is campy. This is funny. Yeah. This, th- they're doing things fast. I'm actually interested. Yeah. And then it just went south. So Rotten Tomatoes, Friday the 13th, 2009. What do you think? Well, considering how low the original did, I can't imagine that this one did much better. I I would have to guess 68. Do you remember what the original did? 59. The original did 59. Yeah. You said you didn't think this one would do much better, and you gave it a 68? <laughs> I guess I was thinking about it from my perspective, because yeah, I would uh, give it... You a, would give it a 68? Well, I would probably give it a... 71. Nah, 60. I'd probably give it a 71. Solid 60. But what do you think it got? Okay, 50. 25. I'd say pretty underrated. That's pretty underrated. Yeah, it's not 25%. No. I'd say a 60. You know what? I might go as low as 50, but 25? Absolutely. That's way too low. Yeah, way too low. Parts of it are great. Parts of it are funny. Parts of it yeah. are clever. If you're a fan of the original series, there are a lot of callbacks. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is garbage, but half of that garbage is good garbage. You yeah, know? like you, camp. You, exactly. You see these movies to be campy. If anyone go what goes into a fucking Friday the Thirteenth movie expecting it to be something amazing, they are idiotic. That doesn't yeah. make sense. Yeah. Okay. Any last things to say about? Uh, Friday the 13th, 2009? I'd recommend it. I don't follow Rotten Tomatoes. Like, there are movies in the Friday the 13th series that I would tell you not to see. There are several (laughs) that I would be like, no, don't bother. But I would recommend this movie. Yeah, so would I. I would say go ahead and see it if you're a fan. Uh, If if you like the Friday the 13th, movies and you've seen them all i would recommend you see this one and i would certainly say see the original the fact that that got a 59 blows my mind right yeah um but this one isn't i wouldn't say a must see but if you're a horror movie fan and you like the original series see it definitely yeah Yeah. all right kels what are we watching next time next time we are going to see a movie that I have never seen, but you have, called Bird with the Crystal Plumage. Dario Argento. And House of the Devil, which I have seen, which and you I have, have not, not seen. Yes. So a little alternating here. Yes. Really interested to see these. These are um, not on the usual side of the horror movies that you might go out and see. So 
or at least Bird with the Crystal Plumage is. Well, House of the Devil, n- barely anyone has heard of it. If you've been reading, if you're a big fan and you read a lot of lists of movies, House of the Devil is constantly brought up, which is why I saw it, to be perfectly frank. And it was very good. So I'm excited for you to see that. And I, Dario Argento, I've seen a couple of his movies, not a ton, but I've seen a couple of them and they're all really good. So I'm very excited to see Bird with the Crystal Plumage. Awesome. That's next time. So this time, if you like Pod Cemetery, go ahead and make sure you subscribe to it on iTunes or whatever other service you use. You rate us specifically on iTunes. Five stars only. You know how it goes. And tell all your friends. Yes, absolutely. And all your frenemies. Yes. And your murder victims. And maybe let them listen to an episode before you kill them. Yeah. That'd be pretty neat. A little treat for them before they die. I'm really sorry this is happening to you, but at least you got a treat before you were horribly murdered. And Kelsey, as we say at the end of every episode of Pod Cemetery, say hi to mommy in hell. We're gonna get over here so we can record. I never thought I would be so free. Lying along on a wing and a prayer. Ahem. Ahem. Who could it be? Believe it or not, it's not me.